Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 66. Before we get into today's questions, big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Cramping is a bit of a contentious topic. And uh, looking at the evidence that exists, there probably are a multitude of factors that contribute to cramps, and there's definitely no one cure-all solution. But one of those contributing factors definitely seems to be electrolytes and electrolyte loss, and therefore electrolyte replenishment can be a solution for certain athletes suffering from cramps. And a new study I recently recently published called Electrolyte Beverage Consumption Alters Electrically Induced Cramping Threshold showed just that electrolytes increased the threshold at which cramps were induced when using electrical stimulation. And this adds to knowledge from uh, or an evidence base from previous studies that showed the exact same thing. So if you do suffer from cramps, electrolyte loss may have something to do with it and it's worth paying proper attention to their replenishment. You can try Precision Hydration's electrolyte products for free with the promo code that triathlon show all one word all caps and that will give you your first box or tube for free and big thank you to roca that you can find on roca.com if you ended up not getting a particular christmas gift that you were hoping for maybe a wetsuit or some buoyancy shorts or a nice pair of sunglasses then fear not because you can just go to roca.com and get uh, the best in the business in those categories and many others including tri suits and swim skins and so forth and get 20 percent off your order with the promo code tts20 so let's move to today's questions and the first one is from kylie in australia who writes uh, I actually, now that I have mentioned HRV, I have thought of a question for a future episode. Some say that measuring it in the morning is fine, but I was listening to the Whoop podcast and they were saying it is better measured during sleep. Of course they would, since that is how they do it. So if there is a difference, is it significant or is measuring first thing when you wake up and sit up good enough for the purposes of an age group triathlete? Thank you for your question, Kylie. Uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting one and it made me dig a bit deeper and try to look for uh, studies using Whoop and uh, studies of uh, similar technologies, of course, like overnight HRV. And uh, the first thing that stands out to me is that there are no peer-reviewed scientific studies using the actual device itself. And since the company... Um, makes out to be a very science-based company i think that that raises some warning flags and uh, to me it doesn't give a good impression it doesn't uh, instill a sense of trust or credibility in uh, in the people at that company if they're not interested enough in their device to actually take the time to to produce some good peer-reviewed scientific studies with it uh, of course studies with their own device isn't the be-all end-all we could uh, rely quite a lot on the studies of devices that use a similar technology for example we can definitely talk about overnight hrv measurements because that has been done using gold standard uh, ecg based hrv measurements so that's not a problem in itself but uh, but just the impression that it gives from whoop is uh, is not not a good start to not have any studies with the device 
so so that's the first thing that st- stands out and the second thing and this is really a big deal in my opinion it is a bit a deal breaker for whoop to be taken seriously they what they have to do at the very least is to publish data that validates the accuracy of their hrv measurements against gold standard ecg data the same way that uh, multiple uh, hrv apps that are based on uh, ppg so the the camera sensor measurement uh, they have done that they have validated their algorithms and their measurements against the gold standard ecg based hrv measurements and uh, that's a simple thing to do if uh, your device measures it properly of course i take that back a scientific study is never a simple or an easy thing to do but it's i guess in some ways simple at least it's uh, just something that has to be done it uh, takes quite a lot of resources but if you want to be taken seriously then you need to make damn sure that uh, that people can know that they can trust your measurements and whoop hasn't done that there are no validation studies so uh, so that is a red flag that is a no-go for me for using their device or trusting data from it as for the statement itself if we we forget about their device for a moment that hrv is better measured continuously during night uh, then in terms of looking at at least athletic performance and uh, and recovery as well the very large majority of studies use a standardized standardized morning measurement as you mentioned so that is where we have the largest evidence base from those standardized morning measurements so most of the the positive findings you hear about when hrv studies are cited they are based on simply measurements that are done as you do it at the moment if you are measuring hrv in the morning right after you wake up and the reason that these morning measurements work and are valid is that at most other times of the day or any other time of day uh, there really is no point of measuring as any acute stressors that have happened before that would uh, might be picked up by the measurement and you'd learn uh, not a lot about what is really going on from a chronic physiological stress level so you couldn't really make any meaningful uh, draw any meaningful conclusions that can lead to perhaps implementing changes or deciding to keep going with what you're doing based on that because there would just be too much noise that you can't control for but by the same token, night measurements, overnight measurements, they should be equally good as they also fulfill this criterion, criterion of not being impacted uh, by, by acute stressors. So, so that's totally fine. We have less research studies behind them, but, uh, but they should be just as, as valid. And actually, I found an article by Marco Altini, who is the founder of HRV for Training, and in that article, which I'll link to, it's actually an article about the, the aura ring. And he wrote, there is little doubt that night HRV is representative of physiological stress, similarly to morning measurements. And therefore, we believe both approaches are valid in terms of acquiring data representative of chronic stress. It is, of course, key that the sensor used to measure night data is reliable. And this is the case for aura, which shows extremely good agreement with ECG in this validation where RMSSD was computed from night recordings. So there you go. Uh, Marco at least uh, believes that uh, night measurements and morning measurements are equally valid. 
And uh, but notice there what he said about the Aura Ring. He ma- mentions that it is very important that it's, uh, it has reliable measurements, which the Aura Ring has because it has been validated against gold standard. But that is not the case for the Whoop strap. So to answer your question directly, the standardized morning measurement is good enough not just for the purpose of an age group triathlete, but for anybody. So is nighttime measurements when taken with a reliable device. That obviously goes for morning measurements as well. Uh, you always need to have that reliable device. But uh, we can't say that nighttime measurements or morning measurements are any better than the other. As far as I could find, uh, there hasn't really been any direct comparisons in studies. We just know that we have a larger evidence base in morning measurements, but that's just because they are easier to study. Uh, What is clear, though, is that you should choose one of the two and stick with that for consistency of your own measurements. One final word on Whoop, and and I think the hype train that is going on with Whoop, uh, for example, Whoop has partnered up with big brands and organizations like the NFL Players Association. And in my opinion, these kinds of partnerships and, uh, and endorsements, it's testament more to the marketing money uh, from uh, a very few very successful investment rounds that they've made rather than the superiority of uh, of the device or its features uh, i would personally not uh, recommend getting this device uh, especially not considering its hefty price tag but even if you got it for free why would you use that ahead of a a 10 euro app that uh, that has been validated against gold standard data when the whoop device has not Uh, That may sound a bit harsh, but I do have an issue with their marketing big time. If you go to their website, you will find them citing a lot of of studies and making believe that those studies are about the WHOOP specifically when uh, they are just, you know, the classic HRV studies uh, that are based on some of their the apps that they're competing against or gold standard measurements in, in a hospital setting. So my recommendation is that uh, your HRV is better measured elsewhere uh, until proven otherwise. And uh, the same goes for your money. That's better spent elsewhere than Whoop. The next question is from David, who writes, in uh, episode 101, uh, there's talk about the Halo Sport device, but very lightly. I think probably there is more to add to this, and I would love to know more and bet you and your listeners too. So thank you, David, for your question. Actually, for me personally, I know more than enough about the Halo Sport because of my background, which I'll talk to you about in just a little bit. But for those that are not aware what the Halo Sport device is, it looks like and is a set of headphones, but they also have uh, electrodes uh, that that are centered at the motor cortex of uh, of the scalp, which uh, works fine for a kind of a headphone shaped device because that's where the motor cortex is located so uh, so the idea there is that uh, they induce uh, a low uh, a weak electrical current a direct current and uh, that then alters the membrane potential of uh, the neurons in the stimulated area and that means that it's easier for electrical signals in uh, in the nervous system to propagate from one neuron to the other because they need to overcome less resistant so to say when that membrane potential has already been altered a little bit by by this electrical stimulation that is the basic uh, 
a basic background of TDCS, transcranial direct current stimulation. Halo is far from the only TDCS device. There are plenty of them on the market, although Halo is the only one that is marketed to uh, to sports and athletics. As far as I'm aware, most of the devices on the market um, are clinical devices, medical devices that are focusing on on indications like depression, chronic pain, and uh, plenty of uh, psychiatric disorders. But there are also other consumer devices, some of them still exist and some of them have gone bust, that have targeted uh, cognitive function, concentration, etc., etc. Some of them have been companies similar to Halo with uh, large sums of investment money, venture capital behind them. Others have been bootstrapped. But um, yeah, TDCS has been around for quite some time. The actual technology has been around since the 60s is when the early research wave started. And then more recently, we had a, a second boom starting in the early 2000s. And uh, why I know all this is because I used to work for a medical device startup in Helsinki. Uh, we manufactured a TDCS device uh, with the indication of uh, treating uh, depression, but also some other uh, indications like chronic pain and uh, as of the moment of speaking i think they have even even more indications that they've added to their uh, to the device the the thing is that in medical devices you can't just say that you can treat this 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 and that you need to provide evidence and you need to get approvals etc for for that to be the case the approval process is different in different countries by the way so in the united states i don't think that tdcs is yet fda approved about uh, in many other countries it is so so i know a lot about the technology itself i knew about halo sport when i was working there and i'm very familiar with it i was also reading some of the research about it already back then uh, because i was interested in sports and in tdcs uh, so the technology here to cover that first it's very simple it's basic electrical engineering so in contrast to HRV measurements, which are very you know intricate kind of things that really need validation, there's really not much that can go wrong here. It's very easy to build the circuitry of the device, and all the devices have similar circuitry. It's then just how you package it that is different, and where you place the electrodes and so on. Uh, so the real question is, does the method itself actually have an effect uh, because we can assume that Halo Sport, it does actually provide the current it says it will provide. It might be 2 milliampers uh, or 1.5. I actually don't remember off the top of my head, but usually it's in that region. Uh, and we can assume that it does deliver that. We can also assume we know that the motor cortex is located where it seems where the device seems to be stimulating. That's uh, not a problem either. So we just need to know, uh, does the... Uh, the, the evidence base for transcranial direct current stimulation in sports and athletics, does it support that there is a positive effect by stimulating the motor cortex? Uh, because if it does, then we can be pretty confident that the halo also has a positive effect. So, and I will say here that there are a few studies that have used the actual halo device. And that is obviously a good thing. It shows more, uh, it gives me an impression of the company taking it themselves more seriously than, uh, than Whoop. Uh, but, uh, but I would say here as well, again, we can extrapolate findings from general TDCS studies, even if they're not done with the Halo device, uh, to 
how the Halo device might work, provided that the protocol is the same. And with protocol here, I mean, we need the same electrode placement. So in this case, the motor cortex. We need the same electrical current and we need the same uh, protocol in terms of duration and frequency of stimulation. Should you uh, you stimulate for 30 minutes every day for two weeks or should you do it continuously? Should you do it just before you're doing your key training sessions and so on and so forth. So those are the things that we need to consider when we are extrapolating findings. So when it comes to the independent sources of uh, of the science behind TDCS in uh, in the context of uh, endurance sports and general athletics, there have been quite a few meta-analyses and systematic reviews published. Uh, only this year, in fact, in 2019, there have been three of them, which is uh, a whole lot. And they have been published by uh, credible research groups in, uh, in generally good publications, in brain stimulation, which is one of the big ones in, in that field. And the other one is in, uh, or one of them is in Frontiers in uh, Physiology. So rather than bore you to death by reading two long passages from each of them, I will link to them all in the episode description and just read some very short snippets from their conclusions. So conclusion one here is that currently the different outcomes observed in TDCS research are likely a consequence of differences between exercise type and or TDCS setup. And many of the aforementioned studies were not designed to specifically assess the mechanism by which performance was hypothesized to improve. Therefore, more studies with systematically controlled TDCS variables and therefore more studies which systematically control the TDCS variables and allow assessment of the mechanisms are required. The second uh, snippet that I will read here is, uh, or from the second meta-analysis, is that for the protocols tested, anodal TDCS versus sham TDCS, which means placebo essentially, over um, M1, which is the motor cortex, improved exercise performance in cycling only. However, this result was driven by a single study, which when removed was no longer significant. Further well-controlled studies with larger sample sizes and broader exploration of the TDCS montages, and that means electrode placement, and doses, which means current times duration, are warranted. And the final snippet is... uh, The results suggest that TDCS may have a positive impact on exercise performance. However, the effect is probably small and most likely biased by low-quality studies and the selective publication of significant results. Therefore, the current evidence does not provide strong support to the conclusion that TDCS is an effective means to improve exercise performance. So as you can hear, these were all kind of neutral and diplomatic, but not currently recommending using TDCS to boost athletic performance. However, that may change in the future when we get more studies, because there seems to be a a good effect in some studies. So uh, we just need to wait for more evidence and see where things start to, to shift. So there is another really, really great resource for reading about TDCS. And that is uh, Alex Hutchinson, who's written about it in his book Endure. Uh, But also he has written a lot of blog posts on his blog Sweat Science, which is now in the Outside Online magazine uh, on this subject. And he tends to write a new article on the Sweat Science blog whenever a new paper on the subject is released. 
And I'll link to the latest one in the episode description. That one is called, Is Brain Stimulation the Next Big Thing? And I'll read a couple of snippets from this article as well. So first, he writes, The sports applications of TDCS face a similarly muddled situation. A review published in Frontiers in Physiology in 2017 identified 12 studies of brain stimulation and exercise performance, eight of which found a performance boost. Conversely, two meta-analyses of 22 and 24 studies published in Brain Stimulation in 2019 concluded that the evidence in favor of an athletic boost is somewhere between slim and non-existent. Part of the problem is that different studies use different protocols, electrode montages, and exercise, exercise tests. Some stimulate the motor cortex, hoping to facilitate a stronger output signal from brain to muscle. That's the approach that consumer tech startup Halo Neuroscience uses for its $400 brain stimulating headphones. Other studies stimulate the regions responsible for evaluating inputs to the brain, hoping to dull the sensation of effort. And then we jump to another snippet in the same article. To skeptics, peering at this hodgepodge of conflicting evidence and concluding that brain stimulation will make you faster sounds a lot like wishful thinking. In July, a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Calgary named James Wrightson posted a preprint, which means a finished paper that is posted publicly for comment prior to being submitted for peer review, of his latest study, which found no effect of TDCS to the motor cortex on leg endurance. A crucial detail, Wrightson's study protocol had been pre-registered, meaning that he decided in advance how his data would be analyzed, and he committed to sharing the results regardless of whether or not they confirmed his hypothesis. How many of the small positive reports of TDCS's athletic effects, he wondered, might be explained by massaged data or counterbalanced by negative studies that no one bothered to publish? That is uh, a very, very important question to consider. That's just my comment. And then the f- a final short little snippet from uh, from Alex's uh, article is uh, where he talks with Samuele Marcora, who is familiar to you because he's been on the podcast before. And he writes that Marcora said, caffeine and a session with a good sports psychologist are likely to be much more useful. So to summarize, TDCS is an interesting technology in endurance sports and athletics, athletics, and it is possible that there are some effects, but we definitely need more replication of the positive results existing so far and uh, much less p-hacking before it's worth spending money on the technology, in my opinion. And I should add that in other indications outside of sports, like in depression and in chronic pain, we have more than enough evidence to say that the technology works in those contexts. So we know that the technology can have an impact on the brain, uh, but whether that then translates to endurance performance, that's what remains unclear. And uh, I really like that last, the what Marcola said to Alex in the article, caffeine and a session with a good sports psychologist are likely to be much more useful. Because what we invest in, whether it's time or money, uh, that's generally a trade-off, because even 
professional athletes can't do everything. So we need to find what is the best use of time and money. And uh, well, I think that I would totally agree with Marcola's sentiment there. And uh, caffeine is obviously known to reduce perception of effort. And there is plenty of evidence for that. And uh, sports psychology is incredibly important as well. And how many of us have ever had a session with a sports psychologist? Uh, I know I haven't, uh, and I'm sure it would be probably very, very useful to go and have a couple of those. So that's probably where I would spend $400 extra rather than uh, spend them on the Halo sport device. However, if you do have cash burning a hole in your pocket, then certainly there aren't any real downsides to the technology. It's extremely safe, so that's not a concern at all. I would say that it's probably a better investment than a Whoop, which uh, because we, I do think that Whoop has a potential downside since we don't know if the data is accurate. So you could potentially get misinformation from it. Uh, and I don't think that that is the case with TDCS. It doesn't really have any downside other than wasting your money and a bit of your time. Uh, so uh, obviously those are huge downsides, but uh, it depends on how you use the device, I guess. In, you might even be using it while you're training on the indoor trainer. So so in that sense, I think that Halo Sport is better than the Whoop, but uh, but still I wouldn't recommend investing in it. And uh, I will say again about Halo, just as for Whoop, they are also a VC-backed company with lots of money. Uh, probably for them, money might be burning a deep holes in their in their pockets. So the marketing behind the Halo is uh, almost on par with Whoop. And uh, therefore, when you go to their website or when you see them on social media, don't take anything you hear from Halo directly at face value. Uh, for example, their website mentions that there are 4,000 peer-reviewed studies about Halo. Well, that's not true, and there are certainly not 4,000 TDCS studies about endurance sports. There might be close to 4,000 TDCS studies if we consider everything, and that includes uh, clinical uh, disorders, depression, chronic pain, uh, schizophrenia, etc., but also things like cognitive function, executive functioning, and all of these different things that have been studied with TDCS. But like 99.9% of those are completely irrelevant for, for Halo. So uh, there's a bit of... Uh, issue. I have issues with the marketing there uh, as well as with the Whoop. But that's it. There are plenty of links in the episode description of this week's episodes. So go and check those out if you want to learn more. Keep sending in questions to michael at scientifictriathlon.com and it's Michael with a K. And uh, take a minute to go to scientifictriathlon.com if you are looking for training plans, coaching, customized plans or any of the other products or services that we offer. Also, I want to remind you that I am looking for a web designer slash front-end developer uh, for helping me update the website. It's a WordPress uh, running site, and it is a bonus if you are familiar with the Thrive Themes WordPress tools, but it's not a requirement. Just email me, michael.scientifictriathlon.com, to get more information, and we can have a discussion about whether this project makes sense for you. Big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Go and get a free hydration plan and uh, use the promo code DEATTRIATHLONSHOW, all one word, all caps, to get your first box or tube for free. And thank you to Roka, that you can find on roka.com. Check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, and high-performance eyewear. 
and use the promo code TTS20 to get 20% off your entire order and get those things that Santa didn't get you for Christmas. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.